And welcome to episode two of Table Shop, a show where we delve into all things concerning being behind the screen. With me tonight is, as always, The Prince and Munsa. Our topic this evening is online versus offline. Do we play around a table in real life or using our wonderful online uh, virtual tabletops such as Roll20, Fantasy Grounds, Foundry, etc. Who'd like to get started? Go ahead, Monta. You have uh, a little bit more experience in this than me, and I'll uh, let you take off and I'll give my opinions. Well, let me say, I have to apologize to the people who are listening to this 3,000 years in the future. Because there is a very specific circumstance going on right now in our world uh, that you don't have context for, or maybe you do. But with the COVID pandemic, um, there is a certain practicality right now to online that I think we can take as rote for our discussion. Yeah, we're kind of tossing that, I would have to imagine. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to caveat that and get it out of the way, but... I have actually been wrestling with this ever since I heard about the topic. And I've come to the conclusion that A, if I'm really being trite, it doesn't matter. And B, that they are two separate, distinct, and equal art forms. That is my thesis for the evening. I can agree with that for the most part. There's a lot of things that you can do with the virtual tabletops that while theoretically possible um, using, you know, a, a grid map and, and minis just be real hard to make it as flashy or as interesting. So I, I have played the vast, vast, vast majority of my hours of tabletop uh, online. So I will say that that is definitely shaped the way I see the whole thing. I probably wouldn't have been able to, like, I probably wouldn't have gotten into tabletop if it wasn't for online tabletop. So like that kind of like makes my thing a little bit more narrow. However, I did uh, run a game uh, at my house for a few months before it fell apart. Um, and I, I would be loath to say that I have a strong preference for one or the other uh, as DM. I, I agree with Munza, but I feel like I want to like, I'm trying to figure out the right words to say, because I enjoy playing with my friends in person, right? Like there's a certain, um, there's a certain aspect of, DMing that like seeing people's faces as they respond to a thing you did or going through the puzzlement when they don't know what something's happening or how it's going to play out or what another player across the table is going to do uh, and seeing that interaction happen in real time in front of you uh, can change the way you DM a game. Uh, and you get that to an extent on video when you're doing stuff online but it's not quite the same. And it's not to say that I like that better than playing online because online offers me a lot of conveniences that I don't have uh, at home or are more difficult to pull off. Like 
running a grid map is actually kind of difficult when you're playing at a table uh, and moving minis around and finagling things. Now we're, like we're not all Matt Mercer and have like the giant pool of toys. So I'm like trying to figure out like which Gloomhaven figures work best for this game. Uh, so I, it's modern conveniences uh, versus like seeing friends in person and how they react, I guess. I get behind that. Personally, I think the biggest separation um, between online and offline is when you're playing offline, you are playing with people that are right there. But online, you can be playing with anybody from anywhere. You know, your, your potential players, your potential game mates, you know, that, that pool increases, uh, you know, a thousandfold easily. Um, and I think that was, you know, at least, at least growing up uh, when there was such a, a stigma um, behind tabletop and then D&D and all that stuff, it was hard to find people to play with. Um, and now, as we've, as we've seen in the, in the AL stuff going on, uh, there are people who want to play everywhere. It's just sometimes they have trouble finding groups. Um, and so the online nature can definitely, you know, bring, bring people who otherwise would never interact together. And I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. You know, that's a very polite way to say that we both grew up in a Protestant ocean of self-loathing and, like, predatory maladjustment. Uh, something uh, like that, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's call it what it is. You know, this is America-centric. I'm sorry for anyone listening to this around the globe, but by and large, the Protestant perversion of Christianity that is prevalent in America largely led to people who liked this hobby who grew up in the 80s and the 90s to be ostracized. And online gaming uh, offered an out because even though you didn't know who you are playing with, the fact that you are looking for an online group to play tabletop with means that you already have a shared community. Mm. Uh, you're not worried about whether these people are going to judge you because of the hobby you like. Like, you know that going in. I suppose, I suppose that uh, there's, there's a different sort of sameness to my experience. Cause you know, I didn't, I knew of Dungeons and Dragons, but I didn't know about Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. Cause no one around me did. Like, I grew up in the hood hood in Cleveland, like, and my, you know, reading comic books was considered a white boy hobby. Uh, so doing white boy hobbies at the time was kind of like shunned. And so I did not hear about D&D or people playing D&D until I was a full ass adult. I graduated high school. Uh, and the group that I found that played was definitely not the group for me. Uh, and the more I looked around, the more I saw there weren't a whole lot of people uh, of color that played when I was like even adult. So until I got to online, it was, there was a dance because, you know, people were not very quick to take someone into their inner circle or there'd be, 
groups of inner circles that I would not want to be a part of in person. <laughs> and so online offered, you know, the veil of I'm, I'm everybody and nobody when I'm online. All you know about me is Prince is a nice dude. And uh, that made it easier to get into games and uh, discover, you know, who, who you can play with. And I feel like that's the way for a lot of people, but uh, it's a little different now. So I'm glad, you know, it's easier to find other people like you that play or people who have like minds or more inclusive groups. And I don't feel like our groups weren't inclusive as far as like in Madcast, but it was just like friends and that played together. And I, I appreciate that. It's just different experience, but same sort of overlap for being ostracized for differentness, I guess. Well, listen, I don't want to crib on a future episode here, but I find that incredibly compelling to the discussion is the fact that you know, when I, when I first invited you to play in Drowned, um, like... Planescape. I didn't play Planescape, Drowned. excuse yeah. me. In, in Planescape. Um, and we had played games together for years at that point. Mm -hmm. And, but I will admit, in our relationship, we had never had to confront your blackness. And that's a privilege it's a weird thing about online like we just never had to confront it um and irl i think just by nature we would have had to confront it at some point and like so there's a weird insulation that comes with online gaming yeah i and and, and that's kind of what i was getting at like online is really a big chunk of the reason why I do tabletop now, why I'm DMing games or like how I talked about it like for hours on my uh, stream today. It's like, if it wasn't for online gaming, I wouldn't have gotten to that point and I may not be doing this today uh, because it's just, it, it was just the level of complication that came with me being me, I guess. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely interesting all around. Um, the different different complications for getting into it, and I'm sure. And actually, I've heard um, in in some previous groups I've had from um, you know, we where we have when we have had uh, female players that they have some of the hardest time finding groups as well. Um, and not even just because it's you know not a hobby; it's just because people are assholes but um it's a very interesting topic all around and i think it's definitely something we're planning on for a future episode i just don't know if we're ready to delve super deep into that well no yet. if i could if i could dial it back you brought up female players jiggles um prince brought up players of color and specifically black players um with all the conversation that's been going around about like the subservient races or the drow or races that are always evil or slave races, mm -hmm. those are all very pertinent, but um, pertinent to our discussion tonight. What I was going to say is there is both a freedom and a burden that comes with playing online that, doesn't come from tabletop or from our IRL tabletop that we were just hinting at. And I think what that's all predicated on is a sense of intimacy. Um, 
Mm -hmm. we have a we have a friend group right now that when we play online i think we can get a lot more intimate but that's after years and some irl meetups and there is an intimacy to playing tabletop live um and i mean that you know in in a platonic sense but it doesn't always have to be a platonic sense I mean, I play tabletop with my wife, Prince. I know you play tabletop yep. with yours. And there is an intimacy to playing live when you have nonverbal communication and the people around the table that you cannot replicate because we have more than just our five senses of sight, hearing, taste, touch, and, on, and, and, and so forth. Like you can sense changes in pressure in the room. You can see involuntary movements on people's faces and it is a much more intimate experience. Definitely. All right. Absolutely. I, that was kind of what I was getting at. You put it a little bit more eloquently what I was talking about it earlier. Uh, but yeah, it is. That is one of the aspects of playing with people around you. Uh, that you just, you can't copy online. Even through video, you just, you can't get the same sense of things. Oh, and look at that. We are joined by another. Welcome, Cal. Hi, Good Cal. Morning. Hello. Cheers. Well, to kind of throw Cal into the mix here, um, I wanted to continue the inclusive trend of tonight and to talk about people who have anxiety issues, uh, social or otherwise, um, or other um, neuroatypical, I don't, I'm bad at the proper verbiage, but people with difficulties in social engagements and sometimes online gaming gives them, like it, it takes that, onus off of them and lets them interact in ways that they couldn't live. True. I was talking, uh, since you put the onus on me, um, I was talking with a, uh, an associate, a friend of a friend, um, and she is um, neuroatypical um, and has a lot of difficulty. Um, and she runs online games. It's, uh, she's DM for hire and that type of stuff as well. There's a lot of streaming. However, uh, when she's using Zoom um, or some other way of uh, viewing people's faces, um, it takes her a moment to be listening to the audio and then processing what things are coming through. Because I think it's, in, it's often important if you feel comfortable uh, to be able to get at least the facial cues uh, from your players, as well as, you know, being able to provide them yours in at the very least so that you uh, cut down on talking over each other. Uh, but for some, um, the anxiety is not reduced by uh, seeing people you may well even know and interact with because it's more data to process. And I think that's, uh, I often think is of Zoom and the ability to see somebody's face um, as very helpful to me. And yeah. so that was an interesting viewpoint and one that I hadn't really taken into consideration that like two divergent, different, but interlinked uh, information streams have to be processed separately by some people. Mm. Personally, uh, you know, dealing with uh, ADHD uh, my whole life online is very helpful 
Same. Um, because, <laughs> like, when you're when you're sitting around a table and you know you're you're doing other stuff because it's not your turn and you don't want to hyper focus and try to you know hyper focus on what everybody else is doing because then you're 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 freaking out because you're trying to second guess them and their decisions and it, it just gets bad. You start trying to metagame and it's awful. Uh, but you know, so you're not you don't look like a jerk looking down at your phone or whatever now. Because you know, I can just have something on a second monitor and scrolling yep. through a news feed somewhere. <laughs> Nobody's the wiser. It's it, that's that's very very helpful. I think um, at least at least from that from that from my perspective, for sure. You know, I didn't even think about that, but for me, I do that all the time, and it's not even necessarily like um, distracting for me. Like I'm still well into the game. I know what the fuck is going on, but it. It keeps me from sitting there and like zoning out or zoning too far in and then completely forgetting what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing. So I can just, it's basically a fidget spinner. Having a second monitor is like a fidget spinner for me because I am just spinning that bad boy around and I'm looking all kinds of random shit. It'd be nothing to do with the game. Like I'm looking at shoes. Oh, there's someone that uh, just got married on Facebook. Oh, Twitter. Hey, that's something that's interesting. What is this new story about babies flying ants? Oh, sweet! <laughs> God, flying ants. Uh, yeah, but that was an aspect I didn't think about. That, but that, yeah, definitely hits on right for sure. Yeah, um, I also want to kind of um, go back to what Munster says about anxiety. Um, I mean, especially given the times we're living in now with the pandemic and so on, but just generally, um, I, I've encountered a lot of people who are really curious about TTRPGs. They want to know, mm -hmm. they have no idea how to go into it, and it's hard to go out and seek those online communities where you potentially can do so. Um, and so I find that kind of inclusivity of bringing people in is fantastic, but just getting over that first hump, uh, you know, Session zeros, which I'm sure we're going to touch on another day, is a great way to get into it. Uh, just chatting to the other players. And um, I, one thing I try and encourage people to do is potentially, if they know each other, you know, interlink their character stories. Why not? Why not play somebody who knows each other, for better or for worse? Um, but it gives you that kind of lift in. I think that's something which is present in both online and offline games, but in a different ways of like basically different flavors uh but yeah there is a lot of that i'm curious how uh if if, if any of you have been running online versus offline and how you've gone around the sort of the, the anxiety of meeting a table for the first time be it as dm or player i mean i could speak a little bit to this because it happened to me last night <laughs> uh so i had my my session zero with a bunch of people who are going to be playing in my vampire game uh, last night, and I, I will say that I met one of them who was there last night <laughs> through Reddit, uh, looking for a group of other players of color to play, and we met and made a game of Armsworn. But I met a bunch of people that I just came across in a chat on a stream uh, that we were like, we should play games together, and we were like, we're going to make a stream for it. And uh, basically, we went over like you know, your basic session zero stuff, character creation, uh, some safety tools, uh, and like basics of the game world state. But then we just talked about our experiences in tabletop for like an hour, just to like get to know each other, told stories, that sort of thing. And 
there's a really good vibe from that. And it's, I'm an extrovert, so I, I won't pretend that I don't have an easier time with this than a lot of people. I'm, I have no problem meeting new people. I go to big events, conventions and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yo, my name's Prince, come hang. Uh, so I find that it, that's very easy for me, but I felt like the group themselves, like it was easy for everybody to just talk and get along with each other. And that's not always the same, but I'm pretty good at picking up on that when it's not, you know, like somebody's feeling uncomfortable or something like that. Didn't get any of that vibe. So uh, it's weird meeting people online. I won't say that it's not like meeting random people that you never met is always going to be a little awkward. Like I came across these people in a chat on another person's stream and we decided we we're going to play tabletop together. And that's like, ah, a little bit. Cause you're like, I don't know who the fuck this is on the other side of this, but, uh, in order to like really get different perspectives and playing tabletop, I think you have to like go out on a limb to an extent to meet some new folks. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, at the very least, meeting somebody online, if, if there's an issue, you know, it's real easy to just hit that disconnect button. It doesn't, it, it's a little more awkward in real life. Oh, yeah. You know, because if you just get up and walk away from a table, then, you know, it's, uh, it's just this super awkward. But uh, I've actually just, been low to like jump into local tabletop groups for that reason. Man, and like, what's really weird is, is so there is, uh, like I have a group of people around that I've been tabletopping with for over a decade, decade and a half at this point. And I'm just, I love them. I love them all to death. I just don't want to play with them anymore. We've been playing, <laughs> we've been playing together for so long that none of it's a surprise anymore. It's hard you know, to you know feel like something is new. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's why there was a, you know, I had a, before the, the, the stuff that started happening in Madcast there, that's why there was a gap. You know, I hadn't played uh, anything in a couple of years. Um, and it, it wasn't just that. It was the, the groups were fewer and far between because everybody grew up. Started having People became kids adults. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started getting, you know, big person jobs and stuff like that. But uh, so I'm looking, once, once all this dies down, if, if it all dies down, um, I'm actually going to try to find a, a random local group, meet some new people, you know, um, I'm going to try to find a group that already has a, a GM because I really want to play. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but scrolling back to, um, to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier with the, just the, the general, the, the tool sets that, that we have when you're, when you're online versus offline. Um, personally, my dream um, and it's, it's, this has been my dream for a while and, uh, you know, I, I might end up being in a place where this could be dual boys. I want, I want a hybrid setup. I want the toolkits that are available with things like roll 20 or foundry or fantasy grounds, but I want them at the table. I have, you know, give me, give me a table with a display in the middle of it. Well, if we've reached the point of speculative talk, <laughs> I wanted to bring up the point of there's this blurring of the lines from both angles, right? You have, um, I mean, I'm still using Roll20, but Prince, you and 
Jiggles both have shown me what Fantasy Grounds can do and how much more immersive that is. And you ha then you have, um, on the other end, I've seen those. Like, God, I've seen those awesome, like, yeah gallery posts on Instagram and Imgur of people's like tabletop rooms where the table is an LED screen and there's projectors on multiple walls and shelves of minis. And I mean, we're not going to be that long unless the pandemic like sets us back to the dark ages. Like we're going to be talking about <laughs> commercial holograms, like the fucking chess game in star Wars and shit. Yes. You're going to have that for your tabletop. And you've got this blurring of the lines. And I think there's another episode in here about the video gamification and the relation of video games to tabletop in the current era. But let's not go down that rabbit hole until another episode. <laughs> um, but I do find that fascinating, Jiggles, because how cool is it when you do have all that real tech like to port in prints from across the country or or Cal or whoever. And I mean, go ahead. But, sorry. No, I don't have anything else. Go, please. I just slight a little bit on that. I, people are already doing this, right? Like this is already, yeah. especially mm -hmm. uh, uh, during the Rona. Like I know people who are setting up, you know, uh, tablets with people's faces on them around their table while they play at the table like i i know people are doing this i know people who are doing this so uh i don't think we are too far from that actually becoming a more regular sort of thing it might be after this you know a lot of things are going to change people are nervous about going places so we'll see yeah so i've um I think I've spoken to this before, uh, not on the episode, but um, I was moving towards that prior to the pandemic. Um, I was evaluating Roll20. Um, found I, So I got the, the, the top level of subscription to that uh, about a month and a half before Foundry went live. Um, I've seen a little bit of that for, from you, Jiggles, I think. And of course, Fantasy Grounds briefly with Vampire, but um, that's where I was moving to. And we were going to keep using minis. Uh, we were going to have the maps there. Um, and I was going to move the monsters around, um, but use our characters' minis as that, have our character sheets around the table, be, but be able to do it that way. Because frankly, it's, I, I like it better, and so do my players, um, compared to, say, a battle map with a Sharpie. You know, I think it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot of scope there for that hybridization, um, depending on what your group feels like. And I think I mentioned at the last episode, uh, when I first moved to San Francisco, I met uh, that very first group, which is very interesting, but that lady there who never played before, but showed up with uh, a massive crate full of miniatures because she needed to be able to uh, have them on the table so she could judge distance and kind of understand uh, what was going on. And, you know, that's, yeah, many different folks, different, I've just lost that metaphor, it's gone. But <laughs> I think you understand what I mean. So I yeah. got, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that I learned very recently was that, you know, there are people who don't picture things in their head, like a, a visual image, right? Like my wife told me that she, when she, when I, when I picture a star, I picture the shape. I see the star in my mind, 
I have colors that I can add to it. If I say a red star, I see a red star in my head, a blue star or whatever. She does not see that visual image. I think of like actions and things that we do uh, in tabletop as a very um, cinematic sort of thing in my head. I create the movie scene uh, based on that. But I understand now that that's not how everyone sees things and so it is difficult for them to picture those things so battle maps and and virtual tabletop things are important to them where theory of mind don't doesn't really cover it and i was like oh shit this is a thing that i don't even understand this is beyond my ken how do i deal with this and i still i honestly i mean my vampire game is gonna be a theater of mine i will have pictures for characters and stuff like that uh and in certain places in the city because i'm basing it in the city but i struggle with like how to deal with the more tactical aspects of it i don't know how how to deal with that honestly because i don't want to really do battle maps and moving mm -hmm. little characters around but yeah i know oh, it's random off of it but like that's a that's a thing that i i think of when you compare playing at a table to uh playing online because one of the things that at a table even if you don't have a battle map you have other people around the table and you if you're a person who needs those things you can see someone talking this through and you can kind of like picture what they're thinking as they go through it whereas you don't really get that same thing online uh even with people's like faces you see the whole body language when someone's sitting across from you well and if we're to talk, because I consider game masters, those who run tabletop RPGs, to be the modern troubadour, and if you're talking about running a game that is still theater of the mind live, like you're standing up. If you're describing a scene where someone's hunkering behind cover, or you're just describing an, uh, an element of a scene, you're ducking behind your screen or the table, or maybe you're all on recliners in a living room and you're up and moving around and you're not only using your voice, but your body to animate the scene. And it makes theater of the mind that much more evocative. You have these additional levers of control that you can pull as a GM because you're standing, you're moving and <clears throat> You know, Mark Hamill, as a voice actor, um, there's tons of testimonials about how just wild he is in the recording studio because he's up and moving around. And I think you can incorporate elements that in online tabletop, but I think to get what you're talking about, Prince, uh, that's one of the things you can't replicate anywhere but live. Right, and uh, I, on that note, Mark Hamill being wild in the studio, so there was that video. Uh, that was just posted not too long ago of uh, of Laura Bailey, you know, of Critical Role fame and other various wow. things, of her uh, doing the voiceover for a scene from Last of Us Two, and it was it was one of the fight scenes, and she's like really super into it. Like she isn't just doing the voices; she is acting out the scene. She wasn't even like mocap at that point. It was she was just doing the voiceover, um, and it was it was intense. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, the whole theater of the mind thing, I know a lot of people who have never played tabletop and still have trouble playing tabletop who spent years LARPing. Um, oh. Because that's, 
but that's an entire I mean, that's an entirely different topic, and it's something that we might be able to discuss in the future. But it's definitely not tabletop. Um, but it's just it, it helped because everything was visual. You know, everybody's in costumes and throwing stuff, and you know, um, that was no, an interesting part of my life. But I don't want to get too far into it. <laughs> no, see, I've gone, the, I've gone the other way with that, Jiggles. It is absolutely applicable because in LARPing, you're wearing a disguise much like the disguises we craft for ourselves online. So I think there are some threads of similarity there. Mm -hmm. There is a, a level of insulation with LARPing because you are leaving your, you know, earthly self behind to a degree. Yeah. yeah you're putting you're on, on a character. Yeah. 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 Let's not even get started on the vampire, the masquerade LARPing. Online, oh, no. online tabletop <laughs> is already a metagame in and of itself because you're adopting a persona. Mm -hmm. Oh. Um, what I did want to point out earlier with the, uh, the the tools and stuff is that we don't want to forget, you know, the the our, our forefathers, I guess, our ancestors or whatever, you know, the 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 first tabletoppers that did the whole thing with nothing but some graph paper. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like different coins to represent the minis because there weren't, you know, these crazy, super detailed minis that you can get everywhere, you know. Couldn't get custom-made minis made for 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> back in the, you know, the 70s and 80s and stuff. Because, um, you know, when I, when I first started, that, that's what it was. It was uh, um, my mom had to go to work and uh, there was no school for some reason, teacher's day or something, and my uh my neighbor's like 17 year old kid uh was was watching me for the day and uh you know i was a five-year-old he was like you know how am i going to connect this five-year-old he's like you ever heard of Dungeons and dragons i'm like what's that but he's like oh it's awesome and he pulls out this red box you know and, uh, oh my god <laughs> talk about aging i i object to that microaggression of you dragging me into being aged by remembering the red box hey man i made my mom go out and buy it I made my mom go out and find one for me after that because of how how awesome it was. But spent the next couple of hours, you know, playing a you know playing around in a little D and D world that he drew out on on some graph paper, you know, and that was amazing to me back then. I didn't even think that you know you could do the kind of stuff you could do today. Not to mention that uh, some of the stuff, like you said, it's coming in the future. You said holograms. That's probably still a little ways out, but things like uh, the Hololens, for example. I remember the first uh, the first little tech preview they did of that where they were playing Minecraft. Yes. They were looking at the Minecraft world. Yes. And I, went, I went, screw Minecraft. I want this for tabletop. That is exactly where my mind went. <laughs> exactly where I went with that. I mean, I how like, do we not have AR tabletop stuff like that yet? You know what I'm saying? Like, And it's it's coming. Yeah. It is. It's only it's a matter of time. super expensive. I'm actually surprised there aren't some crazy... Um, tabletop simulators for VR yet. I mean, there might be. I know there's tabletop simulator, but... That's a little different. <laughs> That's a little different, but yeah. That, I mean, we're going to get there. I, it's, it seems inevitable, right? Like, there's no way that you're going to have all this technology and people are not going to be like, we could use this for D&D. <laughs> right. Right. It's like the internet was, in, was, was invented and people started role-playing over it. Right. <laughs> I mean, they did. Remember MUDs? Oh. Yeah, let's not talk about MUDs. 
why do you think I can type over uh, 150 words a minute? Because of months. <laughs> I mean, man, man. Well, and, you know, we are on a huge tangent right now, but it's really interesting when you think about what the first, like back in like 91, 92, um, the first like pseudo MMO was a pools of radiance MMO. And like people went bankrupt playing it because this was still when the internet came by the minute. (laughs) And it's kind of interesting how you have in this proto form we're talking about online versus real life gaming. This first online MMO was tabletop inspired and directly infused with it. And it wasn't until later that it split. So man, like I, I, I wonder from like a centuries out. eye when someone's looking at this history of storytelling, if they're going to see the same distinctions we do between online and live storytelling it might get a little more blurred at that point you know just just i mean if you look back at history now you know everything from so long ago ends up getting blurred just because i mean it might be different because our you know our our data you know keeping that around is, is a lot more uh advanced now you know we're not really worried about paper that's gonna go away in like 120 years or something um Everything's a lot more stable now, but I remember talking about going bankrupt almost. Uh, a mud that I still kind of play to this day is called uh, Legends of Cosmic. And it was, I found it on AOL. And it was, it was fantastic. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a standard kill everything, but it had a lot of role playing aspects to it. And it was fantastic. And I got so deep into it. What I didn't know is that it was $3.99 an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. And we got our first AOL bill after that first month, and uh, ooh, ooh, man, I couldn't sit for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I gotta oh, say man. though, <clears throat> I think if this is going to be, if we're going to have, maybe not all the time, but often, a X versus Y format. We got to end the discussion with everybody coming down and giving a paragraph why on one side or the other. And I'm calling out Cal to go first because he showed up late. Oh, that's funny. You're going to call him out once he's walked away. Right as he walked away. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Great timing. I'll go first then. I ultimately got to come down as much as I love like the troubadours art and the storytelling you can achieve in person. I got to come down on the side of online gaming right now because I would not have had, I would have had the opportunities to play with female Gaelic gamers. I would not have had the opportunities to play with people of color, with queer people, with, I I would not have had those opportunities uh, IRL, even when I was at college, sadly. Um, And 
I feel like the utilities and you can get really creative with these utilities, like a visual format doesn't just have to be, um, a, a grid battle map. I have had a lot of fun designing puzzles where I have all these inter on roll 20 interwoven tokens that the PCs control and they have to like move them and arrange them. And there's all sorts of fun interface screws that you can get that I think create a new kind of immersion. I still long for when I can run an IRL game again. Um, but I got to come down on the side online on this one. Fair enough. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's valid. Um, personally, I see merits to both. Um, I mean, like, like I said before, my, my personal preference would be a hybrid. Um, would be playing with people in real life, but using the tools that these virtual tabletops provide. Um, that's not to say that I don't love playing online. Like I said, play with people that I would never be able to play with otherwise. Uh, you know, I, like I wouldn't be able to play with with Chibi ever, because I mean he lives two and a half hours. We could, we just couldn't meet up, but you know, with online, you know, we're we're real life friends, but we wouldn't be able to play in real life otherwise. Um, so it's it's a hard call. Man. They're, they're they're both great right now. The state of the world online, <laughs> yeah, hands down. There's no there's no there's no going any other way. Um, like I'm not gonna. I'd hate to have a group of people sitting around a table wearing masks. That that, that just defeats. You know, social distancing. Uh, you lose, just, you lose sort of some of the stuff that you would, like you expect to see at a table with that for sure. Right, right, exactly. And you know, we don't have I don't have the money to set up a a studio like the Critical Role folks <laughs> do, so that they could still do it in person and it still be awesome. You know, I don't we don't, I don't have that. Um, so I guess if I yeah, if I had to choose one right now online, but otherwise, I don't know, it could go either way. It's it's really hard to come down on one side that during normal normal times it's it's in the middle. I think, I think regardless of the pandemic, um, I would be leaning towards online. But that's not to say I, I don't miss deeply my table group. Uh, we moved online. Everybody it transitioned pretty well. But uh, you know there is things. And to jump to I think uh, one of Kitty's questions, if that's appropriate, because it directly relates. Um, but yeah, we, we used to do, uh, that cool. Yeah. We used to, you know, do potlucks. We, we've got one guy who's gluten-free vegetarian. His wife is not, uh, they, <laughs> it's a constant sort of source of fun for them, but we would get together and at a certain point about an hour in, we would order lunch together or we would like dive into everything that everybody's brought. Everybody always brings snacks to the extent that like I have a ridiculous snack bag now <laughs> that, uh, that is just slowly getting whittled away during the pandemic. But yeah, I think once the, the tools catch up, online is definitely what I'll be leaning towards. It's hard. Uh, because I, again, I am a very extroverted person. I like having people around. And when I play, uh, if you see me, I am acting out. I am hands, I am facial expressions, I am movement when I DM a game. So I'm not just statically sitting here like, and the person ate a sandwich. I'm like, no, um, nom, 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 nom. So like, it's, it's harder to get that sort of thing across 
uh, when you're playing online, even over a video. So I can't, I feel it's too hard for me to pick one or the other. I feel like they both offer too much for me for too many things. Like online, it is easy for me to find something out of a PDF way quicker than I'd find in a book, right? Like uh, you can bring up images for something that makes sense. Like I'm going to be running my vampire campaign in Philly. Say I want to pick a picture of the Philly Museum or a place that's here. I can easily just find that, throw that in front of people and they can see it immediately. You can't do that at the table in the same way. I do. Uh, I, I, I think you can potentially. I've, I've been before, you know, before moving over, we played in my living room. We've got a TV there. So I was connected to the Chromecast and I have to do that. I've got sure, myself. Sure. You know, and chucking stuff up. I mean, I get what you're saying, though. Um, I, it's more like logistically for the, the virtual tabletops thing than, yeah. the, uh, than the actual like information uh, collecting. So, yeah, I I hate to be the guy who's like wishy-washy. I don't pick one or the other, but like, I can't really. I would not have been able to, you know, get into tabletop without online, but I do very much enjoy having my friends around, you know, hosting people at my house, people having food, sitting at the table, chit-chatting, you know, the random inside jokes because of the area or stuff like that, that you just, you don't necessarily get with people online. So, yeah, bit of both. I I was like, the majority of my DMing at the moment most consistently is two groups of people I know very well, which who are generally all extroverts, but know each other well enough to know how to mix that up and get it mm -hmm. to work. You know? um, so I think for me, given my direct experience, yeah, it's been a lot easier. Um, that said though, running those uh, two groups of the intro to D&D, just done three sessions. That was with people I've never met before. They never met anybody else before. It gave me a much better view of the difficulties. Um, yeah, that, that's a, well, either way, finding a new group is always a hell of an, hell of an anxiety inducing thing. It is. All well, right. Prince and Jiggle are cowards. We've determined <laughs> that. Wishy-washy, centrist, middle of the road. <laughs> okay, Monsa. don't have red hair and beards and have to live with what that causes through your whole life, so. I know, right? <laughs> pain and suffering. All right. So um, before we move on to the questions, um, we're going to continue with Munza's idea from last episode. Um, he did it last time. So do do either of you have a story about your favorite crit? All right. Yeah. Um, unless uh, I'm here, you want to go? I'm happy to. Uh, okay, so my wife, you know, a year and uh, three months ago, wanted to play a character never really played before, had played WoW. That was really the foundation of understanding she had regarding D&D, &D, a completely different product on a completely different, you know, platform, but just completely different. Um, but with some similarities. And so we settled on a ranger and she wanted to go archer. Awesome. So she picked the Gloomstalker. Now, the Gloomstalker is a particular type. I think it's out of UA now, but um, effectively, it's somebody who hunts in the shadows. Um, but for the first round of combat, they get an extra attack. With the feat Sharpshooter, you get plus 10 um, damage. On the first round of combat, as a fifth level character, she did 75 points of damage. 
neatly Shit. cutting exactly in half the Beberoth that I had adapted up to 5e stats. Now, a Beberoth is nice. a spider demon that hunts other demons for fun and shits and giggles and all that with blades for legs. And I built this up like the, the theater of the mind before I put out, you know, the battle map and all of this thing, the skittering and the, then, then, then something louder, click, 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 as the blades come down, climbing across the wall. And she just dropped it to half. Like that battle went on maybe four rounds and it was a boss round for a fight. I, I was astonished at how much damage she did. Um, she critted once, I believe, um, and, but hit all three times with the three attacks she got in the first round. That was wow. really disappointing to me, both as a husband <laughs> and as a GM. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about PCs ruining encounters with crits, do I, Prince? I don't know anything about that. Nothing about I? this. <laughs> but I mean, at the, at the very least, if it was her first time, though, that's a good thing to happen because it, 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 you know, it gets people excited and engaged. So, you know, like, oh, yeah, but then you got you to gotta temper their expectations. Like, that's not going to happen all the time. Like, that's, you know, that's rare. <laughs> Got about a one in twenty chance of that happening. <laughs> Before we transition to questions, can I share the evil that just passed through my mind? I know we can't call the segment this, but I just wanted to share the name Show Us Your Crits. <laughs> like that's insensitive, but it's really good. That's fantastic. That's good. That's good. I think we might have to, yeah. Yeah, show us your creating. Oh, that is that is <laughs> definitely we, no. We totally have to use that now. We have people write in one of some of their best crits. Then, absolutely, Maybe absolutely. Parentheses. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, listen. No, no, no. Like, if you apologize, then you invite <laughs> criticism. Right. <laughs> well, there's an unfortunate aspect to that, but it's also really funny, and I think it's in a spirit of loveliness. I think people would appreciate it. We can always change it. Indeed. Indeed. A lot of stuff is in flux. So, all right. So we're going we're gonna to kick over to questions here. Um, so we got a question from Horace Dolphin. Wonderful person. Uh, is this one pretty simple? What's easier for, for you all to play in person or online disregarding schedule like I know we were talking wise? about personal. Pre no, 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 no. We were talking about personal preferences um, on whether I'm online or offline. But she's asking, oh, which which do you think is easier? I think. Oh man, I'm just going to say live because we talked about prep versus winging it last episode. Like, yeah. I think there's a facile reality to what prep you have to do for online, even if you are winging it. Whereas in real, I don't even need dice. You know, like, you can tell a collaborative story just by being uh, an animated and engaged person. And if you've got the touch, man, IRL, you can weave fucking magic. 100% agree. Yeah, 100%. No argument on that at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, it's then. just oh. simple. <laughs> Move on. Uh, we've got a, a question from Icarus, and I feel very strongly about this. Uh, and his question is: Dynamic lighting is it a blessing or a curse? Blessing. With caveats. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think it is one of the greatest features yeah. because one of my because you don't know me. I love dungeon crawls. 
love them. Love them to death. If I'm running a campaign, expect one at least every month, every other month or so. Like like that. A dungeon books. Love them to death. In in real life, you've got you're either drawing out each room as they enter it, which gets stupid annoying, or you've got this, you know, this battle map covered in shark and covered in pieces of paper mm-hmm. covering up things. Which always move. Um, they always move and reveal. Right. It gets shifted because it's, <laughs> it's, it's hot. You've got a ton of people shoved into a tiny room. you got fans going yeah. or something. You know, somebody's gets too excited and breathes too heavily and she goes flying. Yeah. And then you've got dynamic lighting, which takes a little bit of time to set up. Let's, let's not, let's not get that twisted. It's a pain in the fucking ass. But like, when it's done. What it was in is absolutely fucking worth. It's, it's a pain in the ass doing it on roll 20. But it's not as bad if you're used to doing it. I'm pretty used to doing it now. And I think, uh, and using control Z is a godsend. <laughs> Just, damn it, I, I flick my wrist. Okay, control Z, let's keep going. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, dynamic lighting, I, definitely a blessing. It's only a curse because it's aprons. You need to set it up. And B, because sometimes whatever you're using might just forget everything or it might move everything or you're on the map. Or it's that one little crack in the lighting and you're like, oh, I can't fix it. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of my big reasons why I like Foundry so much. Their dynamic lighting system is leaps and bounds ahead. Yep. Man, like it's, it's so good. Just the, and not just the dynamic, but the, the, the whole thing, the global illumination, the, 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 mm-hmm. the token vision, all of that stuff just... It's 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 a little bit of a learning curve because you know especially if you're used to roll twenty and they've they've got everything set up one way and then you're over here to this new system where things are a little different but once you understand it and it clicks it's, just, it's fantastic. What about you, Monster? What do you think? I was just going to point out that there is something you got to resolve with your group when using dynamic lighting and that's you know keeping control of the pace of discovery because. I think what I've always defaulted to is when someone discovers something that provokes the need for initiative or a skill role, like, okay, so everybody stop. And then everyone's in their positions. Like you need to develop a modicum of discipline Mm -hmm. so that people are invalidating your work. But other than Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I love dynamic lighting that I flat out tell my players, um, you're absolutely right, Monster, and I flat out tell my players we're now entering a period where you're only allowed to move your damn tokens three squares at a time, and then you have to pause and do stuff because something's about to happen, and that's immersion breaking. So I try not to do that too often, but now using that, the group is far less, I'm just going to move my token over here and see what's around the corner. You know, mm. and not tell you about it. When I see tokens yeah. move around the map as a GM and I'm in the middle of talking, Stop, please, God, stop. I'm on a flow here. <laughs> I've got my gig going on, you know? Yeah, no, no. And that's, that's an issue that I see cropping up. And, the, and in all honesty, I've seen that a lot more from, from newer players. Yeah. I, know, I think those- there's an establishment of expectations thing that, that kind of goes into that. Like, it's, it's hard with new players because they're just like, I'm excited to be doing this. Uh, and you got to just kind of... And the, old players, the yeah. and the old players the old players are saying if they walk around the corner in the dark, they're likely to be eaten by a crew. Yeah, like I'm it. terrified of the idea of just like creeping around a dark dungeon and not knowing what the fuck is around this corner. Like, y- do y'all not know that you might be walking into death traps? Like, I know we're de- walking into death traps. <laughs> or mimics. Who knows? Fuck off, <laughs> Jiggles. Fuck off. <laughs> All right, so... 
Uh, Kitty's first question, it was, uh, it was mentioned by, uh, by Cal earlier. Um, but have you ever had a D&D potluck where everyone brings drinks or snacks to share with the group? And does it bother you in person if people eat while they play? For me, no. We used to, like you said, where we'd be getting together, we'd be playing, uh, people would either bring stuff or about an hour in, you know, we'd, we'd place the pizza order. Uh, there was one time where there was, uh, you know, we had like three games a week going. Um, the same group, different, different, you know, GMs that all took place at the same place that our local pizza place, when they would see that address come in, they would fight over who would get it because there'd be like, there'd be like six or seven of us. Um, and the, so the order would be large and we were all throwing in money and, you know, we'd end up, you know, all together would be pitching in 60 bucks and it was a $40 order and the rest of that money is just going to the driver. So they were always fighting over that stuff and we always got it real fast, real great. It was awesome. Yeah, but I have never had any problem. It's, 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 it works. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you're a family at that point. You know, you're, you're eating together, you're game, you're playing together, you're having fun. Yep. It's, it's the basic fun. tenant of TTRPGs is collaboration, right? And uh, share your food. <laughs> you don't have to bring your own stuff, dietary needs, and all that kind of stuff, but it adds to that sense. Yeah, I mean, we had a whole thing uh, on New Year's Eve playing games at my house, like food, drinks, all that jazz. I, I absolutely don't have a problem with that. And uh, definitely have had like people bring food and snacks and stuff for our games. I don't have problems with people eating while we're playing, anything like that. This, it's all part of, like, like, like I said, it's like family. You got people around the table, y'all fam, Mikasa Tsukasa. Right, my only thing is if, if you just put down your slice of pizza, don't touch my damn miniatures. <laughs> Dragon Magazine about a million years ago had this awesome joke article where they statted out a whole bunch of monsters based upon food items that had dropped onto the grid and it was so good it was so good oh it was a wonderful article Just oh, that's great. close your damn mouth if you're going to chew and talk to the GM <laughs> Listen, or talk or about finish chewing before you talk. To the <laughs> I will say this. If you want to talk about what gets you sent to the fucking gulag when I'm dictator for life, it's people who eat chips <laughs> over an open mic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right to the prison that. camp. Right to the prison camp. Right. All right. Uh, and we got we got two more from Katie, of course. She always, always drops a bunch. Um, is it more affordable? to play in person and have free printable resources, but also need physical maps and such, or is it more affordable to play online and not need many books or any miniatures, etc.? Personally, that's, that's hard, because when you're in real life, you can share resources, mm -hmm. you know? You can have one PHP that everybody could use. You know, you can have one of each copy of the book, but if, if you're online, everybody needs to have their own separate Unless you've got, you know, your, your GM. Table Shop does not approve of any violation of any end loser licenses <laughs> or any <laughs> products or the sharing of copyrighted material illegally. Table Shop does not approve of that. Of course not. I'm talking about, like, handing a physical book to the person next to you to look at. Like, that's all I'm talking about. I don't know if you misunderstood me there, Munson. It, it, um, can, it, it, it can be just as expensive online as to play in person. Mm -hmm. 
It's very yeah. easily the same because you know, sorry. no, it's like because like I have a bunch of the D and D books, I have a bunch of the vampire books, all copies at home. But I also bought Fantasy Grounds copy of Vampire the Masquerade because already built in there. Or D and D Beyond, I have you know the PHB on there, the monster. Like you end up with shit that you end up buying twice because it exists online and it has a cost, and it exists in person and it has a cost. On the other hand. For those of us that are tooth and nail hanging on to disposable income in this world, um, make it I rain. <laughs> I, no, I I think it's really cool. I have bought several packs of Roll Twenty assets that are yeah. both first and third party created, yeah. and I like giving people money who are better at technology than me. Mm-hmm. And I've really liked being able to buy some assets online. So it's like, what's the expense? Am I saving time and hassle on my end versus money? So eh, expensive, but you got to just you get you got to decide what you're paying for. Yeah, time and money. Yeah, I, I feel like we're not we're kind of talking about the base amount that you might need to spend to play, as opposed to feeding your addiction for dice or miniatures, because shit can get expensive. <laughs> I, I completely <laughs> left that off. Completely <laughs> left the dice and and like random shit that you just want off the table. Yeah. Pro tip: Go into a con and be like, "This is all the money I'm allowed to spend," and then keep to that budget. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> I was like, that's what we did at PAX Unplugged, and that was not at all what ended up happening at all. <laughs> right, unless you're only taking in cash and leaving your cards somewhere else, man. Like, yeah. um, And then her third question, which I'm pretty sure is going to be a yes from all of us, is have you, have you tried to run a virtual game but still use video cameras to get more of the reactions of your players? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, if I'm GMing a game, I say we're using Zoom unless your somebody's uh, computer turns out not to be able to handle it. You don't have to turn on your webcam, but it will help everybody else. But that is up to you and find your comfort level. But if you can, it makes everything so much easier. Right, but never, I mean, go ahead. never use cams in any of my online games, nor do I really intend to. Fair enough. But it's uh, just to point out, it, Zoom isn't the only thing that does. I mean, Discord. You can have everybody in the Discord channel yeah. on on webcam now. We're we're in Discord um, last night uh, for our session zero. Um, cool. I uh, I prefer to uh, have cam, uh, and like I said, that's because I act out things. I am a very like you know expressive person physically, um, and I also like to see people's reactions and. I learned that some people really like to be able to see other people react to uh, the way they play. This is part of the reason why I decided I wanted to play a game as a, uh, and stream it um, because of that. So uh, as a preference, I don't need it, but it's a preference. Yep. All right. And that brings us to the end of our questions. And we are just at about an hour. Excellent. Well done, guys. So this <laughs> is what we do here. We freaking are efficient. We're on time. We save lives. <laughs> I don't know about that last part, but okay. Um, so I want to I wanna, uh, thank you three for, for joining me this evening. Once again, we've got Cal, Prince, and Munster here. And myself, Jiggles. Um, and for all of you listening, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, where do people find us? 
Oh, yeah, no, no, good point. We've actually got like the, yeah, like the website and stuff now. And uh, I even made a Twitter account. Like, yeah, for us. It's, where do it's people crazy. find us? Like, like, tell the people about us. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's right. Hey, I'm still new to this, man. Chill out. All right, uh, you, can, you can find uh, the podcast. Well, I mean, you've obviously found it once, but uh, you can find it wherever you can find podcasts. But our main page would be anchor.fm slash table shop. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at table shop T-W-O-T. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's what... what T-S-O-T, at, at table shop T-S-O-T. There we go. Wow. It's been a long day. And, uh, and of course, if uh, anybody's interested in gaming with some cool folks, um, we are all members of the wonderful Madcast Gaming you can find at madcastgaming.com then once again thank you all for joining us and uh we will see you next time <laughs>